Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started, I want to encourage everybody to listen to the previous episodes, as always. Um, and definitely listen to the previous um, news show, which will be the episode right before this one in your podcast feed. But, um, in case you're not aware, um, this podcast will be converting to kind of like a travel blog thing. While I'm in Japan, which will be from the 27th to the 15th, to the 16th actually, um, from December to January of next year, meaning December this, December 2023 into January um, 2024. But, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to Japan, I'm very excited about it, but um, definitely go check out the previous episodes of the podcast and um uh, the previous episode of the podcast actually all about tax opt destiny um and the previous um the previous lunchbox weekly news episode for the first week of october um the most note the two most notable stories actually i'm going to say give you the two most notable stories here um and you can go check out that episode description for more on these stories. First off, they're finally letting they're finally letting FLCL die, which is just it's just sad when you stop and think about the fact that like that thing was a formative, like cult classic anime for lots of people in my generation, for me in many ways, and then just kind of was revived and revived until it's like dead husk just kind of shakes on the floor, um. But, so there's that. The um the head of Adult Swim's, like, programming block for that basically said, like, we're not doing more of this shit, which um was interesting. Um, and then, uh, and I need to actually check my email for this, too. But um, uh, I re- we ran a story all about um, the Crunchyroll settling a um, cybersecurity case that means that uh, we all get... Assuming you have a Crunchyroll membership and have had a Crunchyroll membership for a couple years, you will all get fucking thirty dollars, like a like a check for thirty dollars somehow. Um, there's a whole there's a whole thing there's a whole thing in your email that um I should go find and you should go find and we should all get that money, baby. Woo! Um, but on that note, I'm going to dive into what I want to talk about this week. Which is actually not an anime, but is certainly anime adjacent at the very least. And, and we'll get into why in a second. Because that thing is a movie from this year that just came out called The Creator. Anime Considered. Lunchbox Radio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling 
wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Now, before we get into what to, to this movie's general plot, which I'll go through, by the way, spoiler alert, for this whole movie, you can go see it right now. Um, I believe it's still playing. Um, every, <laughs> everywhere movies are are shown, but um, the reason why I want to talk about this movie was because it it sits in kind of the pantheon of cyberpunk stuff, and cyberpunk thanks to films like um, Ghost in the Shell and Akira will always have a kind of and thanks to kind of the cultural makeup of it as a as a product as a like as a ethos will always have a connection back to Japanese culture and specifically anime and anime culture and stuff like that there will always be things that you recognize from anime in cyberpunk stuff because the things kind of go hand in hand in some way um but with that out of the way, let's jump into some plot synopsis stuff. And once again, spoilers for this film. If you want to go see it, I encourage you to go see it. There's no, no reason not to go see it. There's a big reason to go see it, and that is Ken, Ken Watanabe is in it, and he's fucking excellent, um, as Ken Watanabe wants to do. Um, but basically, this movie is about a fictional... About a fictional um, history in the world where somewhere around you're led to believe by the like newsreels you by the newsreels and like infotainment nonsense you get in the beginning. Somewhere around the fifties, there were not artificial intelligences, but the equivalent of like helper robots and like helper robots like uh, actually more like Fifi from um. From what's it called? From um, from um, from uh, the Osama Tezuka thing. I'm blanking on it right now. Um, but um, but m- more like kind of like more kind of like the less like the less like the Toyota robot or the um. Or the dog robot from Boston Dynamics, or any of those ro- robots—not even that advanced—but like, can can hear a command? It's like an Alexa in a big trash can with basic arms and can like bring you a drink. And actually, there was an Alexa that was supposed to be that that did not sell very well for obvious reasons of having a robot that can listen to you at all times, roaming around your house that is owned by Amazon. But um, so anyway, the. There was a point at which those showed up in about in around the fifties, and they they show like newsreels and advertise and advertisements from that time, and then they do a pretty well done like kind of taking you through of the advances of um, technology and what happens and how advanced the AIs get, and eventually the AI become something similar to replicants in um or something 
equivalent to something like replicants from Blade Runner, meaning that they are kind of their own thing. They are uh, they are kind of a mirror version of humanity created for the benefit of humanity, but then ultimately by humanity, and they just kind of exist. And you have, you know, AIs who are more like something like, um, like the show Gene of I that I actually just talked about on the podcast, in that they are less doing stuff for humans and more living alongside humans. And the big, the big tale ends up being that they, A, look like people already exist because their facial, their faces are based, their faces and bodies are based off of scans of other people. And they have like, almost like a hollow cylinder through the base of their neck, kind of where your brainstem probably is. And, it, like, a techno neck, basically. And they are... They are people. They are... They exist as... As just kind of... In addition to human beings. Um, This... This is, very, once again, very similar to the future that... Um, Gene of I supposes. Where there's what they call... Um, humanoids. And... In this... In this... In this universe, they call their versions of humanoids stimulants. Or stimulants. They're essentially simulated human conscious, conscious, consciences. And they don't go into it too hard, but you're led to believe that they're not like all hooked up to one central network or anything. Like they exist as just people. And, but there's also a full scale, and this is something that's also demonstrated really well in Gene of I, in that there's simians who are just out there living their lives, who are just, like, out there being and, like, seem to, like, go to work and come back from work and they live some sort of, like, life. There are simians who are romantically and, I'm sure, sexually involved with real humans. Um, you see a demonstration of that in the actual film. Um, and then there are like another step up and that is kind of the cops and the cops are full on like robot people. And they, they like have full, they have full interiority and like conversations and stuff, but they are like more robotic and they are there for like a reason. They have just enough humanity to be able to like negotiate hostages or something. And... They are much more robotic and they like show up to crime scenes and they show up a bunch of times in this film. But, and I want to be, make a key point here. None of the simulants, none of the, none of the AI characters in this movie, with the exception of Ken Watanabe, who has a reason to, that you who has a reason to, and you find that out later, um, ever harm human beings. Not openly. Yet the movie starts with the reality that a nuke was, that because of some AI decision, a nuke was detonated in the center of Los Angeles. And from that point forward, the humans, I mean all the humans in the story currently, but all the humans in the story at that point, at that point that newsreel happened, decide that the AIs need to go. Like AI needs to be eradicated. And so you have 
this war that is propagated out of fear. And eventually in the movie, you find out, like, toward the last third of the movie, you find out that the nuke being detonated in the middle of, of in the middle of the in the middle of LA was actually what's called a calling error. And a calling error is essentially it's human error. It's a human operator calls for the wrong thing to an AI and the AI so the AI delivers something flawed back. And the person giving this to you is a is a simulant named um named Haran and that's Ken Watanabe's character and he's and he's he's talking to the main character, a character named Joshua, who is this widowed former special ops military person from the US who went deep cover to find um a, a character named um, a, a, to find the to find the person this movie is made at, is named for essentially to find the creator, and unbeknownst to him, he actually did find the creator, and it was his now ex-wife um, named Maya, played by an actress named Gemma Chen, and played really effectively by an actress named Gemma Chen, who was at one point the daughter of the like person who create who's responsible for being kind of the chief architect currently of AI systems in the world, the chief designer and maker of AI systems in the world. But when he when her father died, she became like the next generation of that. Uh, unbeknownst to Joshua then or now eventually. Uh, then or now at the point which um Ken Watanabe is telling him on a boat on their way kind of to see Maya for the first time in like five years. Ken is like, you know the bitch of it? If if this war stopped and he the way he puts it is he goes if if AI won this war, you know what would happen to humanity? Nothing. Nothing. We we just want to be able to exist. We we are not we are not fighting out of fear. We genuinely want to live alongside people. We don't want to kill people. You just keep coming at us. And at that point in the movie, it's abundantly clear by the way pretty much every character is acting except for Joshua and one other character that the the primary motive for this war is fear they the the um characters of the the, the many of the human most of the human characters in this film fear what AI is fear what AI is possible is capable of but what the the difference between AI in this story and this film's universe and AI now is at the point at which the nuke went off in the middle of LA 
AI was already capable on many levels of functioning of its own accord. And we all understand the concept of Skynet, even if we haven't seen the film it comes from. I haven't seen the film it comes from. We've all heard of the middling to bad, many people consider, um, movie um, iRobot, Will Smith movie iRobot. And, and so, thinking about iRobot after Will Smith smacked the shit out of Chris Rock on stage gives that movie a different bend. Um, but that's a totally different thing. Everybody always assumes that when AI gains sentience, when AI splits off from being just a thing you type at or command like Siri or like ChatGPT, then the, then the previous thing disappears. And the reality in this scenario was that the previous thing didn't disappear and won't disappear. When we get like super intelligent, sentient, understanding AI, you you will still be able to go on Google and ask Bard or whatever the, whatever the hell they'll call it by then, or ask Bing to like generate you like a picture of a giraffe eating a coconut. Like, I, and this is a thing that people forget. Is it just because something new happens doesn't mean the old thing disappeared. And a lot of that is due to primarily the way people who make products, because the thing about AI in the beginning of this movie and in reality is that AI started as a product and became its own kind of existence off to the side of humanity, like alongside humanity. But the thing about products is they want you to buy new ones all the time. They, that's what their goal is. So that's what, and they're being big companies. And the idea in this film is probably that like a big tech comp, big tech firm came up with an AI product, put it in like a trash can and like put it in people's homes. Same way that, that Amazon did with Alexa, same way that um, the HomePod is for Apple, same way that your iPhone, is, the Siri is on your iPhone or the HomePod. It, that's a very, like, well, well-worn path they have there. The difference is, is that the water got so muddy in this movie's universe that people honestly believed that people that it was possible for people to believe that AI, meaning at that point, the like slightly robot anything from your coworker to the slightly robotic person who gives you a bagel in the morning, which, by the way, could be real people, but could also not be real people, set off a nuke in the middle of LA. And so a war was started and you have this, you have in this war, the primary antagonist is not the AI, it's not the human beings, although it is, it, the closest you come to it is one specific human being, 
but we'll get to her in a second. Um, it's fear. Fear is the motivating factor for all of the like many atrocities that you just kind of see in this movie. And the but the closest thing we have to a primary antagonist is a character played by Allison Janney. That's right, Allison Janney of Juno fame, of the West Wing fame, is in this movie. She plays Colonel Howell, and she is this. At first, stern but understanding character toward Joshua, who Joshua is our primary and is our primary protagonist of this movie. Him and a young girl, a young AI girl named Alfie, who turned out to be this next generation AI who has like thoughts and feelings and is a real child and in fact you find out later is is technically and actually Joshua and Maya's real child um since in the story Maya dies when she's pregnant or people or Joshua believes she died when she was pregnant and has the, and has essentially is a technopath like she can commune with electronics and turn them and control them and the really interesting thing about this film is that the humans are totally against AI and they are fighting artificial intelligence in a war but they are using high-tech machinery to do it and it it becomes very clear at every point in the movie that they use every kind of technology with the exception of AI. Like that that's that's the line in the sand that no one shall cross. Anything before that, any nightmare death machine before that, totally cool. And the most terrifying of which is this essentially walking landmine that they use. And it's it's, it's like once again it's like a big trash can with legs and it's got a little pop top and when the when the tops push down, it engages and it just runs in a direction. It just runs in a direction until it fucking blows up, and it's horrifying. And this movie does a really good job of of telling you who the bad guy is without being like, "That's a villain. He's a supervillain." This is not a superhero movie. This is a movie about a war where one side is just is trying to win because the other side is trying to kill them and the only way that the other side will stop is if they is if somebody wins a war if if they strike such a blow that they're declared the winner and they get to they get to continue to exist for another second and the movie ultimately ends up with ends with something in that vein, but in the character of Allison Janney, you see the kind of perverse incentive of fear as a motivator in real time. So there's a there's a thing that 
there are like scanners in this universe, and um, there's a show I forget what it's called on Am on um actually on High Dive and on AMC Plus that's about like the first wave of people to have their consciousness scanned into the internet and what happens to them, and this show is similar to that, and and it's. And there's a, there's a concept similar to that in this film. So, let's say you're, a, you're an American soldier and you die, but you have, you've, before delivering your final, like, delivering your final report, you die in the field. In this film's fiction, somebody can go out and find you scan your brain completely and then put you on a little data chip and stick you into a sim into a dead sim into a simulant body into like a spare simulant body and it's essentially a prosthetic body and you will be alive you will just be alive and what this means is it's something like it's similar to the concept in all with carbon where what's called a stack is like a little like special part of special um chunk of chunk of spinal column that like gets swapped in and out just below your brain stem what this means is yes technically you know the robots are almost always ai and the people are almost always people but people can get uploaded into these robot bodies now they're not currently doing now that's clearly not a widely done practice but that is a like wild thing to suppose that's a wild consequence of this world but what's even wilder is it's used as a tactic of war Alice and Danny find the character who dies in the first third of the movie and immediately is like oh shit he's been dead for hours I won't get much out of him. And against his will, basically pulls him out of his own body and sticks him into a simulant body of, like, prosthetic body that was also at the scene. And he is so horrified that he can't give her much because he's like, oh, shit. Am I dead? <laughs> and that's a really concerning thing for him. And instead of like calming him down, getting him to center, giving him some peace and being like, yeah, this is your last conversation alive. Just like get right with yourself and then I'll pull the plug. Allison Janney is pumping him for information about where the hell Joshua went. Because to her, the fear of did of AI set off a nuke in the middle of Los Angeles is still so real. It is that fear is so similar to the fear that people on the East and this is including me to some on some level, people on the East Coast felt when 9/11 happened. And if you pause and you examine the stuff that was that happened after 9/11, even George W. Bush, dunce that he is and was, straight up said like, 
we're not fighting Islamic people. We are finding, we are, our goal is to fight the people who did this terrible thing. Not everybody, not everybody who, not every Islamic state, not every, you know, person who ascribed to the teachings of Islam are terrible, horrible terrorists. We are going after the specific people who did this and want to repeat this in the future. And what much of the people who kind of were bathed in that tragedy took instead was everybody, everybody who subscribed to the teachings of Islam is evil. And you see this, you, you see this still in the like racist, bigoted statements people make about people from the Middle East today. It still exists across much of the country. People still say terrible things about, um, pe about people who believe in Islam, people who, you know, the sheiks get it. Like I, if you're a little brown, you get it. And that is what's happening there is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A very unspecific fear, maybe with some basis in reality, but without the understanding of the nuance of it. And when you find out later on in the movie, like I said, when Ken Watanabe delivered the line of like, you know what the bitch of it was? It was a calling error. It was, which means it was human. It was a human, essential, a human caused the nuclear explosion. But because it happened through the use of AI, everybody freaked out and tried to kill us all. And the other thing about this is why America, why America is full on, like, has a giant fucking death plane that murders people from the sky with, like, Patriot missiles and shit. Um... Especially in the Far East, in Japan, in China, they've all ad not only adopted AI as like just a fact of life, but actively seek to support it. They want AI to succeed. And you get a shot of an East Asian city, I'm presuming somewhere in, they, they call it, um, they call, I think they call it far, the Far East Asia, the like, Far East Asia or something, but you get a shot of a city and you see these big billboards that say, donate your likeness, help AI. And like, and you hear from all these people, like they're fine with it. It's, it's helping their lives be better. Their lives may not be perfect by any fucking stretch, but it, it, it has taken a layer of trouble away from them and they are full on embracing this future. 
And is it like super dystopian that like you have gov- you have a government sponsored advertisement for like donate your face and body to to so like a so like a robot can feel like a real boy? Yes, it's terrifying, but it's so much less fearful and so much more understanding of the, the direction the world is going than the primary physical antagonist of this film ever shows, and that's the Alice and Janet character. Colonel Howell. And... So there's a show that I've talked about on the... So the anime that I've talked about on the show before called See the Possibility of... It's called See the Possibility of like Money Control or something along those lines. But it's really interesting because it's really... It's one of the better things about finance that I've entertainment things about finance that I've watched it 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 uses some bizarre otherworldly concepts to get at a kind of brokenness in the financial system and an unfairness at the financial in the financial system but it's pretty honest in it in its dissection of that system and what it looks like and what it means in the same way, I think that the creator is pretty honest in its understanding of fear as a motivating force, of fear as a reason for doing terrible things. Because there's a, there's that big death satellite that I talked about before is a thing called Nomad. And it's essentially like a giant metal bird with a big hole in the middle that is just like a rotating, like gun barrel full of Patriot fucking missiles that launch straight down at shit. And in the cartoon, when you, in in the um, movie, when you first meet Alfie, who, if you're wondering why I haven't talked about the little robot kid who controls electronics, he's really not the point of the movie. And I know it sounds odd and it feels odd, being that you spend so much time with him and he's with her and she's the MacGuffin of this whole thing, but she's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is all these characters who are motivated out of fear in your antagonist force, being the U.S. Army and Special Forces and all that stuff. A character who is motivated out of an understanding that this is the future, and that's the character, um, the character Maya, who is ultimately the creator. I forget the specific name they refer to her as, but um, she ends up being like the like the big evil, essentially by the Americans' um, lingo. And then you have a character in Joshua who is interesting because. He very clearly entered into this having the same fears and um, hatred and fear that has been converted by society into hatred towards the other side, which really, once again, can't stress this enough, you never see them, now that you never see any AI character hurt a human or try to hurt a human. But it's always measured. The AI cops always shoot crank rounds and like 
always use stun guns at their first round of at their first point of um, action. The Alfie never directly hurts anybody. The AIs you you never see the AIs hurt anybody without cause. And the bottom line is that Joshua, the character, doesn't care at this point. He has been so worked over by this world that he's kind of got nothing left in the tank. The only reason why they get him back in the movie is because Alice and Jenny lies and says that uh, lies and says that um, Maya's alive. His wife and the mother of his unborn child is alive. And that gets him back in the game because he has a moment of hope and he and she said to him like if we if we find the creator we will probably find your wife and you can bring her back with you now whether allison knew that she was actually in a coma in a buddhist monk temple or was the creator or any of that shit actually you know that Alice and Danny and the entire American military complex knew that Maya was the creator. Um, but you don't know that they knew she was alive. You know they suspected, but they didn't know. But she lied about the entire circumstance of the mission to get him to participate at all. That's how twisted... Fear has made this apparatus. The already fucked up military system is now specifically targeting a singular person and fucking them over harder. And it's not lost on you, the viewer, or me, the viewer of this thing, that Joshua is a black character. And they show him in, like, full-on... He is black. The Like, you see that his... He's got cornrows in most of the scenes, and then eventually you see him with, in the beginning and in the end, you see him with his cornrows taken out, and he's got, like, the full, you know, dirty blonde, faded fro look going. The other thing to know about Joshua is that he's disabled. Not at the point at which you... Uh, he's disabled already at the point at which you see him in the very beginning of the film. He's already missing an arm and a leg. And then later on in the film, they really highlight it and they're like, hey, this is how much this guy had given to, quote unquote, the cause. And that was before they like sent him on an undercover mission where he met the love of his life and they subsequently killed her. Or at least he thought they killed her. He's earned the right to have enough. But... The system, which at this point, once again, is so afraid of what AI could possibly do, manipulates him necessarily into making the decision to get back in the game, to, like, do it again. Not because he cares whether or not they catch the creator, not because he cares whether or not the entire world explodes, but because he wants to see his wife again. And the movie does give you that. In like a sad, tragic way, they don't get to, neither of them get to live, but they do get to die together, finally. And 
this the point of this film is not so much the evils of AI and like so I've had a problem with The Verge over the past two live action movies I've seen because they've kind of they kind of missed the point on two on this film and Dumb Money. Uh, the headline for this, for for the review of this film was all about how you know the movie kind of just didn't get the deal with AI. But the AI part of this was really a way into having a conversation about fear, about what fear the motivator does about how it twists the world around it and how you get, say, people who feel it's okay to act the way people acted in Guantanamo Bay as prison guards. They were deplorable. They committed human rights crime. They are, those people, what they did is irredeemable no matter what excuse they had. But they felt it was justified because they felt that they were, because they forgot that they were facing a human being. They thought they were facing monsters. And so they became animals. And that's not okay. And this, this film brings that to such a point that it just says, hey... We're going to make this, we're going to turn this particular volume knob all the way up to 11 because we need you to get it. This, this is a story about how hatred can destroy people and not, not like a, a race of people or a new category of people. Like not, they don't even really care about how it's destroying the AI people in the, the simulants in this case. They care about the fact that you see the you see this system levied against two human people, two human beings who are just forced to live inside of it, and that it sucks that hard. And if you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh, this sounds an awful lot like the way I feel about my job or the way I feel about." like life in general, you're right. This movie sits alongside the understanding that like the medical industry is fucked. That the system is designed to shake you down. That the system is designed, feels designed at points to break you down to your very weakest so you will never catch a break. And and as soon as you feel like you're checked out, they offer you a little nugget. And uh, am I saying it's like that? No. Am I saying it's not like that? Also, no. Everybody's experience is different, equal, and unique, and all that stuff. But this movie demonstrates a real understanding of the actual human consequences of fear of, once again, fear as a motivator. The other thing about this movie that's really stunning 
is the production design. The production design of this movie is incredible. I can't imagine what the concept art for this film looks like. It's probably insanely awesome. There's also, but the only, the only slight, um, confu the only slight confusing moment I had was they had this really beautiful scene where Joshua and Alice and Janney and a bunch of other like soldiers are in a helicarrier and they're about they're approaching the like Far East Asian Far East Asian drop zone, and they start to play this um this song called Take Off Part Two, and it's it's by it's features Kendrick Lamar and it's got a very specific melody. You've heard this song on TikTok. You've heard this song on Reels. It's a pretty haunting thing. And the the <clears throat> the cut of the soundtrack there just like gave it gave it this really beautiful haunting thing of like you could feel Joshua just like compartmentalizing everything at once. So he could get to his end goal of finding his wife. And then the song cuts and they don't, they don't stay with that song for long enough. It felt, it felt like the kind of ADR direction that you see in something like, um, the first Suicide Squad, which is not a compliment, but that brief period of time when that was all kind of mixing together, when the visuals and the music met, was really great. <laughs> was like 10 out of 10, captured something that is so hard to capture in cyberpunk media to the point that I don't think that even a show like, a show or property like Ghost in the Shell does a particularly good job of it. Every new Ghost in the Shell thing we get gets a little better at it Some in some ways, a little worse at it in other ways. But that brief scene where the helicarrier is arriving at the drop point and you hear Takeoff Part 2 just kind of kick in, just kind of like have the volume increased and kick in ultimately, is this beautiful, horrifying transcendent mo moment in this film that it just kind of never repeated again. And so, like I said, the reason why I wanted to talk about this film on this podcast was because I think there are some things that are either just anime but made with live action. You can think of that as something like King's Game, like, like Queen's Game. Queen's Game is a sport... It's a shonen sports drama show starring a female character in live action. It's wild. This is really anime adjacent. It feels like a thing that is close to anime in the way that Altered Carbon was close enough to anime where they made an anime follow-up to Altered Carbon. If you haven't seen it, I believe I've talked about it on the show before. But... If you think about anime as a medium for storytelling, there are options that they, there are possibilities and difficulties to that medium. By taking a very anime-esque story, 
and and making it in live action, they had the opportunity to take some different swings. Like you don't necessarily you don't really get a character like Joshua played by um John by John David Washington in this film in show in anime shows. The closest you could kind of come is Dutch from Black Lagoon, but he's even very different than Joshua. Did the black the, the black character the black side character from the most recent Ghost in the Shell twenty forty five stuff? He was a nightmare. That there's just some there's some cultural touchstones that you can make use of in really interesting ways and use as really interesting story beats when you go live action and when you go American that you that don't translate as well in say a primarily Japanese produced anime and this is true in the other direction like <clears throat> the live action Ghost in the Shell Hollywood film did their best with their version of um, Major Matoka Kusanagi, but so thoroughly kind of whiffed it that it just felt odd. And I don't think that was Scarlett Johansson's fault, actually. I think it was the direct the direction that she was given because she's played characters like the Major, like Makoto, in other things. You look at Lucy. You look at... Um, at Black Widow, you like take those and you kind of mix them, and you get a character that looks an awful lot like M- Makoto Kusanagi, the major from Ghost in the Shell. But that's not what you ended up getting in the live-action Ghost in the Shell. So what happened there? The the talent and pieces of the puzzle all there, they just weren't put together effectively enough. And I talked, um, I talked. At the beginning of the podcast, about two stories from the from the new show yesterday, but the the additive quality of making new things in a genre is similar to the additive quality that doesn't exist in the in the second series for. FLCL and now the third in the second and third series for this, for FLCL and now the fourth and fifth is that you need to have people earnestly tackle the, the scenes and the thought processes in a genre to add something to it and when I came when I saw the first preview for this movie I'm like I need to go see that in the theater because it's going to be an important touchstone for cyberpunk as a genre much more so than cyberpunk the video game cyberpunk the video game is what it says it is it is a love letter to the genre of cyberpunk but it's not additive in the way that this is it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have the same kind of big meaningful thoughts and in contrast this adds the idea of like single characters being affected by the world in this way it adds 
it adds so much to the genre that the genre can then take and play around with that wasn't here before. Because the, the really interesting thing about this film is Joshua's character doesn't feel like he doesn't feel like a coincident. He doesn't feel like he's Mr. Magooing his way through the story. It feels like he's a person who fell into the position he's in. It doesn't feel like he, this was planned. It feels like it just happened to him. It doesn't. Nothing feels lucky about what's happening to him. It's not like, oh, luckily this is your child. It's like, no. The, explain, they, the story explains it and earns that explanation. It, nothing is coincident. Nothing is like just a coincidence. It's all it's all effective storytelling is really what I'm trying to say. Um, but on that note, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Wednesday and Thursday at this point. Wednesday is a weekly news show where I where I endeavor to have a automated host who is not me. Like you do not hear me on the news show. You hear you hear disparaging remarks about me, but you don't hear me um, deliver five stories that we think you should pay attention to every week from the world of anime, and that comes out every Wednesday morning at six thirty. This show comes out every Thursday night at seven, and is about a show or property. Generally speaking, anime, but anime or manga at least. But every once in a while, you encounter something like Queen's Game or like now this that I think is worthy of being featured on the podcast because it it sits so well in the same it's got the same vibes as anime if that makes any sense and on that note i've been alex this has been lunchbox radio and i'll talk to you next time